0: So now we're going to be chatting to Julie Smith, who is from Paxa, the Peter Maritzburg Agency for Community Social Change. And we're just going to be talking about their latest media statement and the implications in terms of food security, in terms of poverty, in terms of the workplace. We just want to ask her some of those kinds of questions and see what Paxa may be offering to us. Good morning, Julie. Hi, good morning. It's so nice to have you with us here this morning. Thank you. So thank you for talking to us. Can you just just give us a sense when you when you look at your your latest media statement and I, I know you keep track of the the monthly food price so that's if you can just talk to us a little bit about what you're doing and, and the implications of of that?
1: Um, so we track a basket of food um, which low income households in Peter Man try and buy every month
0: mm-hmm.
1: and we use the you know, the food prices that we see to kind of give us a lens into what's happening in the South African economy. Right. And um, basically for us it's about, you know, how much money is in people's pockets. Mm. And, you know, the, the, the core, the kind of crudest expense is around buying food every month. Yes. And if households are struggling to buy food, then it suggests that there's something terribly wrong in our economy. So this month's barometer looks at the, the latest uh, statistics, mm-hmm. you know, the job statistics that were released by Statistics South Africa, yes. just to try and um, unpack them a bit in terms of
0: what we're seeing on the ground. Okay. So so give us a sense of what you've noticed in terms of what the job statistics South Africa, the statistics South Africa is releasing statistics around jobs, and then what you're noticing on the ground, what, what what do you notice in that?
1: So when we look at the latest job statistics, you know, they, they really are quite terrifying. Um, so what it shows is that in the first quarter of 2017, our unemployment statistics have increased. Okay. And the overall unemployment rate has gone up by 1.2% to 27.7%. Mm-hmm. But of course, you know, in South Africa, when you look at statistics, you have to disaggregate them along lines of race and gender and youth. And um, in terms of the racial dynamics that we're seeing, you know, black South Africans are under enormous amounts of stress. And the unemployment rate for black South Africans has gone up by 1.4% to 31.4%. Wow. But, um, you know, that's not really a realistic picture. Um, if we really want to get a sense of the statistics we have to look at the expanded unemployment rate which includes discouraged work seekers. And here's the figure for black South African households is 40.9%. Okay,
0: just explain so, to us just for a moment the difference between those two figures. So when you talk about discouraged work seekers, what's happened?
1: Um, so it's the The expanded unemployment rate is includes all of those people who are almost invisible in the economy because if you ha- if you are no longer looking for a job and you're no longer looking for a job typically because they you've decided that there are no longer any jobs available um, and when I say decided don't really mean decided i mean it's a reality that there are no jobs available then all of your efforts to seek out a job, you know, if they don't bear any fruit, then you you stop looking. Right. And if you stop looking, then the statistics kind of define you as as being becoming almost invisible. You aren't included in the job stats, mm-hmm. and it's that figure that, when you when you add it together with the with those that are looking but can't find jobs then you get the figure of 40.9%. 40.
0: 40.9%, 40. which is really, really high. That's, that's so just to give you I mean, a sense of numbers,
1: um, for black South Africans, we're looking at 8.3 million black South Africans of working age are unemployed. Wow. Yeah, it's it's if you think about it, it's, it's, it's terrifying. I mean, in terms of the racial statistics around population sizes, uh, the black population in South Africa is, is forty. 45.1 million people. So, out of the 45.1 million people of working age, 8.3 million black South Africans are unemployed. Right. So, what we're basically saying is that, you know, when we look at job statistics, we tend to focus on who is unemployed and the numbers who are unemployed. But because the stats are so high, Um, they're no longer useful, really, to to get a really good sense of the crisis that we face. So at PAXA we're saying it's actually more useful to look at the numbers of people who are actually employed Mm -hmm. because that gives you a better sense in terms of how households are getting by. Mm -hmm. So, again, if you look at the statistics, um, out of 29.6 million black South Africans of working age, only 12 million are employed. Right, And that basically means that out of 10 black South Africans of working age, only four have a job. Hmm. Um, and they call that the labor absorption rate, which is at 40.5%. 40, 40. So it's basically the wages of 12 million people have to support 45 million people. Just and say that again,
0: because that's a really interesting statistic. The wages of 12 million people are supporting... Million
1: so the wages of 12 million black South Africans have to support 45.1 million black South Africans. You know, our racial dynamics within households haven't changed really. Um, so again, if you look at the number of black South African households, there's 13.5 million. So
0: there are more,
1: more households than actually um, people the number of people who are employed.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're really looking at we're looking at this this huge um, burden that is on the twelve million who are working, in that yes. they are supporting a whole other group of people um, who aren't working.
1: Yes. So, and of course, uh, you know, they also, you know, we have kids, and we also have people who are pensioners. So, mm-hmm. um, basically, we're looking at one person who is employed having to. Support support an average of 3.8 people. Right. And um, obviously this wage has to spread further because, you know, we we are we human beings. We, we care for one another. We look after one another. So one household might have to support other people that aren't included. And of course, for very low-income households, you know, 3.8 people is a very small number. So you probably your household size are much bigger. Mm-hmm. and. You know, then the next question to ask is, okay, so we have a situation where the wages of 12 million people have to support around 38 persons on the wage. Then what is the wage? And again, in terms of the racial dynamics of South Africa, black South African workers are paid, you know, the least of all all the races, and that wage is actually a poverty wage the median wage for black South African is 2,900 rand a month. So when you disperse that through a household, uh, you know, you can say 3.8 persons, but, you know, we're dealing with people, not bits of them. So if you you take that 2,900 rand a month and you divide it by four, then you're looking at 725 rand per
0: capita
1: Mm -hmm. uh, per month. And that's less than the upper bound poverty line of 1,077 rand a month. So even a worker who's working or a black South African who's working, um, the, the wage that's coming in is a poverty wage.
0: Okay. Now just explain for us a little bit about what do we talk about? When we talk about a poverty wage, what, what are the implications of that?
1: So, you know, the, the, the biggest implication is that households can't get through the month on the wages that are coming in.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And we live in a cash-based economy uh, where we have to spend money to secure you know, most of the goods and services. Our public services, even though they are available, you know, many times they still require money to, to access them. Mm-hmm. And if they aren't functioning properly, then you have to try and seek your services from a, a private provider. Um, so basically, you, you know, households can't live at a level of dignity, but more importantly, in our current context where you know we face enormous amount of shocks, it means that households can't, can no longer absorb these shocks, and at the same time they can't save anything, and they also can't really demand any goods and services in the local economy. And this is this is linked very closely to why our job statistics are so poor and why our our growth is so poor because people just simply don't have enough money to be able to spend at the local level.
0: Right. So we're seeing a knock-on effect of of communities becoming essentially poorer and poorer.
1: Mm. Mm. So all financial resilience has basically been wiped out. And so we have a, we pulled up some statistics over the last three years around our expanded unemployment rates and, and you know, looking more closely at the labor market. And in those figures, it shows that, you know, the racial structure of our labor market hasn't changed mm-hmm. very much over the last, well, our, our figures that we've got over the last three years, but, you know, it goes back over the last several years. And what we're finding, actually, is that expanded unemployment for black South Africans has increased over the period. And there's really been very little shift around transformation in our labor market. Mm.
0: And, and what are some of PAX's thoughts about why that is, why that is happening?
1: Well, the biggest thing is that we haven't really transformed our labour market. Mm-hmm. Um, the racial dynamics are still in play. And we also haven't transformed our wage levels. So wages, for example, are still given almost kind of on the historical basis that they were always given. You know, they are always given for a worker, they didn't consider that that wage must support a family. So we almost have to go back to the original idea around why workers work. And, you know, for most of us, um, we aren't lucky enough to work in jobs which we love. You know, we, we get jobs which, which we, have to, we have to take regardless, and that wage is just paid for the individual worker and it's not doesn't really sufficiently cover the, the needs and well-being of families.
0: I'm hmm. um, just kind of, as you're aware, this is a, a Catholic radio station. I just want to talk a little bit about. We're coming up for the Feast of Corpus Christi, which is, is kind of, um, I mean, it's it's one of those biggies in the Catholic Church, and this whole, the whole feast can be. It can be very it can It can appear like a very sacramental feast, so very focused around the sacrament of the mm-hmm. Eucharist, but the flip side of the feast is this whole theme running through the scriptures um of daily bread of bread for the world of of mm. of God wanting people to have the basic necessities of life and i'm just as you 're talking about all of this I, I was thinking coming into the show today, I was thinking about the link between a kind of a spirituality of um, of human dignity and of meeting people's basic needs and the crisis that we're currently facing uh, and I just I just wondered if you had any thoughts that you might like to add to that
1: yeah unfortunately I mean I'd, I'm not very familiar around kind of Catholicism um, okay. <laughs> but I do know that you know food really has always been you know the basis of all very important decisions that were made throughout um, history, mm-hmm. um, and that food was core to our humanity, but it was also core to, you know, our ability to be human and to interact with one another. Mm-hmm. And that, for many households in South Africa today, you know, just even sitting down together and having a, a meal together, and you know, expressing our love and our dignity. Um, and certainly, our solidarity is, is 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 no longer available for many for many many people. And of course, then it's removed that kind of relational aspect, that humanity that we can share with one another. Um, so, for example, again with our for monthly food price barometer, we found that households are underspending on nutritious, albeit very basic, food by 54%. Wow. Um, okay. And, you know, so we can say, you know, these have severe negative implications for health, productivity, growth, and developing to implications, and certainly for women who eat last. But it also has impacts around culture and religion. Um, You know, we're also finding among some of the women that we're speaking to in Maritzburg that because they're having to prioritize their money so kind of rigidly, that some households don't have enough money to take the combi to go to church, hmm. so you no know, it's it's the implications of our economy being so disconnected from society is having you know severe ramifications across our you know our, our ability to to socialize to you know to to be spiritual to hold
0: our families together and to you know, to really live Yeah, to live human lives. Yeah I'm just, I just want to touch on one last thing um, before (laughs) I let you go. Uh, Mm. this, This is all being very interesting. I was just i was when I was reading through some of your your media statements, I was looking at at last year your 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 kind of end of year report last year, and one of the stats that struck me was about malnutrition in children yeah. and the consequences of malnutrition and of course malnutrition in children is directly linked um in South Africa at any rate for the gross for, for the most majority of children it's it 's linked to poverty it 's not linked to abuse or or to negligent parenting, but linked mm. as you've just said now to families not having enough money in order to buy nutritious food to put on the table. Can you, can you just talk a little bit about what's going on in terms of malnutrition, in terms of malnutrition with children, and, and just some of the consequences of what it means when we have a very high rate of malnutrition amongst kids?
1: Yes, I mean, for that it's also very interesting because um, we link our – we have a um, – another barometer which tracks the minimum nutritional requirements for a child. Mm-hmm. And there our figures show that it costs twenty Rand thirty six cents a day for kids. Just to feed them in a very basic but you know to cover the their basic nutritional requirements. And we link this figure to the child support grant, which is three hundred and eighty Rand a month. Mm-hmm. You divide that by thirty you get twelve Rand sixty seven a day. So basically you know, mothers who require the child support grant in order to feed their kids, it actually means that they're under spending on the plates of their children by 38% a month. Wow. So if you visualize that almost in terms of your, your child's plate, and you can imagine almost taking more than a third of the food off your child's plate, then you get a sense of the depth of the crisis. And specifically, when you look at nutrition... Uh, women tend to ensure that the, the basic starches are bought before anything else, before all of the proteins and the vegetables. So our kids are eating more carbohydrates and less proteins and of course for kids proteins are absolutely important in terms of you know growth and development, muscles to grow, all of our cognitive capacities, it's all around protein. Mm-hmm. But it's also linked to ability to resist illnesses, you know, common illnesses like, like colds and flus and diarrheas and you know, all the measles and things that kids get when they're at school and um, it just means that basically kids are going to get more sick more often and um, the death of the illness is going to be extended and more severe. So if you think about our future and where we're going and we can't afford to When I say we, I mean we're looking at around 12.1 million kids who are actually getting the child support grant. And if we're underspending by 38% of the plates of 12.1 million kids, then it suggests that our future is not going to look very good.
0: So again, we have this, this real sense that the child support grant really needs to double from where it is now in order to be actually vaguely useful.
1: Yeah, so because mo- mothers use the grant very well. I mean, all, the, all of the evidence that comes out is saying that um, kids who are on the grant, they perform better at school, and of course they're able to grow and develop better. Mm. So our minimum nutritional food basket puts the figure for a child aged between 10 and 13 at 610 Rand a month. So that's a huge difference between the 380 rand. But also, you know, for many mothers, the child support grant is the only money that's coming into the house. Mm. So that 380 rand is used almost not only for the child but also for to maintain um, the family, yeah. particularly if it's one of the only grants that's coming in, because many young mothers, um, you know, our, our our youth unemployment rates are very high. And if a mother wants to go out and look for a job, then somebody needs to look after her child. But at the same time, you might want to use some of that money to ensure that your child goes to creche or is taken care of. So if we could increase the grant, then, and we could see the grant as an investment in our children, an investment in our future now, then we're much more likely to have a much brighter future going forward.
0: Yeah. That sounds I mean that that seems to me I think anyone who even begins to look at this at this topic even vaguely sees immediately that the child grant is critical for the stability of the country in the next decade to three decades that it's absolutely i mean that that that's very very clear to me and and I think that sometimes. I mean, I'm struck that people don't necessarily think that because the crowd grant is so low, there are other costs on the economy, like health care, that mm. are much higher. And education
1: and as education. well. And education. Because, you know, you can pump it, uh, so much money into the education system. But if, you know, kids aren't eating properly, then they can't take in all of the kind of information that's given at school. If, you know, and, you know, also if your cognitive abilities are deprived of protein, Again, it doesn't matter how much money you throw at the, at the education department. So we are seeing it. Um, we're seeing it in very poor education outcomes, and certainly we're seeing it in, a, in very poor health outcomes and a really overburdened health system. So, so it's a really good investment. If we talk about efficiency of, of how we spend our money, then we're saying that one of the
0: best investments we can
1: make is ensuring that our kids are well fed.
0: Well, Julie, thank you very, very much. I, um, I'm always delighted to talk to you on Radio Veritas, and we hope to talk to you or someone else from PAXA again in the future.
1: Thank you very much, Francis. Thank you so much.
0: Okay. God bless. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.